Hey everyone, my name is Caleb. And I'm Ben, and you are listening to Tribal Talk, a survivor podcast. All right, we have a lot to talk about, and we are going to get right into it. Caleb, uh, how are you feeling about you know having watched this last episode? What uh, so many iconic moments already in the season, and I just kind of want to go over it. Did anything make you laugh out loud? Yeah, there were a couple things I think were really funny this episode. Right off the top, you know, you had the moment where Tony's about to kill himself trying to climb that ladder to get the breadfruit. But one of the things that I actually liked upon rewatch, so I watched the episode initially with my wife on Wednesday night, and then I watched it again on Friday with some of my friends, and one thing that really stuck out to me was condescending Adam. And what I mean by that is Denise finds this idol, and she finds it with Ben, and thank goodness she did not give the other half of that idol to Ben. I was terrified for about 30 seconds of the show (laughs) because he was looking at her with these, like, bearded puppy dog eyes and she looked like she might have given it to him had he pushed she did. her she but did. kudos she did. to ben he's trying to nurture that relationship and he said you know what give it to whoever you want to bring in with us so she goes to adam and she's like hey adam uh what do you think about me giving the other half of this idol to our mortal enemy the most powerful woman on our tribe poverty do you think that would be good for us do you think giving the oh. enemy a weapon would be wise and he's like uh my gosh, I think that's a terrible idea. (laughs) And it was very, very condescending. But clearly he and Denise have a very good relationship. And she took it in stride and was like, oh, oh, right. Duh. What was I thinking? Yeah. And and just to touch on that, almost reminds me of, well, it could have been a similar situation to when JT gave his idol to Russell Hance. And Russell Hance just laughed at him so hard. Could not believe that JT would try to curry favor by giving him the most powerful weapon in the entire game. And, of course, Russell just used that to just destroy him. But uh, I wish that Adam had been like, Denise, do you have a paper and pen, perhaps? Do you have a, a letter writing kit? Perhaps we could write Parvati a letter and give her this half of the idol. Perhaps, oh, no, you know what? Let's give her the whole idol. <laughs> give her the whole really thing. doubled down on her on her bad decision-making to make fun of her, but he was a little kinder than that, I guess. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I loved, I loved that he didn't pull his punches there. I, I, I think he probably lost some respect at that point for, you know, someone that he had been talking about, you know, that he, he really respected and wanted to be working with her. But a move like that, or even a suggestion like that, has got to make you question you know your 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 strength as a as a couple going forward in this game right so i was actually thinking about this on the drive over to record and i was thinking denise is a very very smart person she's very emotionally intelligent she is not bad at strategy she's a good physical threat why would she think that giving this half idol to poverty is a good idea now i was thinking about this on the way over because it doesn't compute And I think what this shows us is the very best survivor players like Rob and Parvati, they connect with people so strongly, so easily, they make them forget the facts of the game that they knew when they came in. What I mean by that is when you come into the game, you know 
Boss and Rob and Poverty are huge threats and you should get them out ASAP. And yet, all of these people have suspended that belief for a little bit and are willing, apparently, to work with them to the tune of voting their way and even possibly giving them an advantage. So, I mean, it's funny. Crazy. It really is funny. But on a real, real level, that shows you how good Poverty is. Because she's taking a good player and making her think in really squirrely ways. Well, and, and, and just, you know, one more point on that. You know, I think a good social player doesn't feel like they need to curry favor by giving people weapons. So Rob would never curry favor with someone by giving them giving them a weapon they could potentially use against him because he's so good socially he can do that without. And so Denise is feeling like she's a little insecure in her social gameplay. She can't get Parvati on her side, so she's just going to try to give her this powerful weapon. She's basically yeah. surrendering, right? Because right. that old picture of like two duelists fighting with swords, and one of them loses and and hands the sword to the other. You know, she's essentially surrendering and and you know exposing her neck, so to speak. And that's that's obviously had tragic consequences for many players in this game and would have done Denise in, I'm sure, if Adam hadn't stepped in and spoken some sense. But actually, my my the moment that made me laugh the hardest actually also had to do with Adam. It was uh, when he was walking into Tribal Council and he could not <laughs> find the spot for his torch. He literally sat there for like five to ten minutes. I don't know how long. I don't know how much time passed, but it seemed like forever, and Jeff finally just grinned and looked over at Vendry Bergen and just, like, nodded to him and then goes over and helps poor Adam that's just wallowing there, and, and they're all wanting to move on. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so funny to see what what this game does to people's heads. I love that Jeff not only clowned on Adam by saying hey, Ben, the person that everyone in the game perceives to be the least intelligent. I don't know whether he is or he isn't, but let's be honest. Everyone in that game <laughs> thinks he is, right? So oh, yeah. Jeff says, hey, Ben, person who is looked at as unintelligent, go help Adam with this menial task. And then he clowns on him again and says, you know, it is day six. Obviously <laughs> implying, just hey, day man, six. it hasn't day been six. that long and your mind is already <laughs> gone. And Adam's just like, he has really no answer for it. He grins so innocently. Yeah, that was a great moment. So getting into some of our more serious topics, right? We spoke last week about the fire tokens, and we got to see a little bit more play and a little bit more on the mechanics of it. Do you have a more developed uh, opinion on the fire tokens? Well, I definitely have a more evolved point of view on them now that we've seen how they can be traded and how they can buy advantages from people on edge of extinction. But I think bringing in the discussion of immunity idols in on this as well, really actually gives my full point of view. And what I mean by that is all of the advantages from what I can tell so far in this season have revolved around some type of relationship that's required to get that advantage. When you are voted off, you have to bequeath your fire token to another person. So I love that word, by the way, bequeath. bequeath bring it back. Yeah. Bring it back, survivor. Yeah. Jeff was like, give. Nah. Will? Absolutely not. And they're like, mm, hey, Jeff, what do you think? Uh, bequeath? He's like, absolutely. That is the word that we will use. But anyway, so you get voted off. You have to bequeath your fire token to another player. So from the player that receives that, from their perspective, the relationship that they built or had coming into the game essentially earn them another advantage. And we know that these fire tokens now 
wow, you can use like four of them to buy a tarp. That's kind of a weak use for them. You can use one fire token and buy potentially not an idol, but something that actually removes you from tribal entirely, right? So you lose your vote, but you're also not on the chopping block. Even though that's not a full-fledged immunity idol, that's a big, big advantage. I bring that up to say, Jeremy only got that because Natalie chose to offer it to him. He got that advantage because of a relationship that he had. So the mechanics of the fire tokens, I do think, are a little bit odd. The fact that you bequeath them to another player, then the Edge of Extinction players find more advantages and sell those for fire tokens that they no longer have to try to get an advantage in their return challenge. So there's a lot going on. I think that Survivor now has realized the people that are watching are more or less people that have been watching for a long time. So they keep adding additional layers to try to keep it interesting. Overall, I think it's a cool concept. I hope that it actually turns into something meaningful and impacts the end game in some significant way. Yeah, I think I I'm a little bit still a little bit confused on the whole mechanics. I don't understand how the tokens work. For instance, uh, under what circumstances would you sacrifice tokens for food or luxury? Because we saw that menu price at the very beginning. Right. And, you know, you could trade in, I, th- I think it was like one token for like a pizza or something. And it's like, is that like a thing? What what survivor with $2 million on the line is going to sacrifice a token on the edge of extinction that could potentially end up getting them back into the game? And so I, no one's bothered for luxury items or food no one's really complaining about any of that so basically the tokens are just to purchase immunity idols from the edge of extinction or or advantages of some sort right you know, maybe not immunity idols but different types of powers and so i i i don't necessarily understand why the people on the island still need those tokens it's almost it's a little bit like you go to the store and someone hands you a dollar and then anything you buy there is a dollar and so then they buy something hand you the dollar that you just gave them and it's like why not you know skip this mess with the tokens and just hide some advantage somewhere on that island and and allow people on the edge of extinction to fight over it or whatever. I don't know. I don't, I don't quite get it yet. I think I'm still going to need to see more of the gameplay and see how the tokens exactly work out. Um, and there's there's still a lot of questions to be unanswered on that. So is, is someone, for instance, going to be tempted by the luxury items or food and under what circumstances? And then also, what are the challenges going to look like on the edge of extinction? What are the advantages going to look like, too, that you can purchase with the tokens? So there's a, there's a lot still to see. So I guess I'll reserve my final opinion on that. But for now, I'm just a little bit confused and intrigued. Intrigued. We do have to give it the benefit of the doubt until at least the merge to see how this is going to work. Because then we'll get to see how many fire tokens it takes to buy a return challenge advantage and what that advantage is. How significant is it? Is it one of those things where you exactly. know there's some four stage challenge and they get to skip one of those entirely or maybe they get a second shot at one of them if they fail those types of things can be huge but what if it costs like 10 tokens to buy that is this going to be completely out of whack is it going to be unattainable or is only natalie if she gets every single fire token going to be able to get it it really just depends i think it could be good but it also could just be gimmicky for lack of a better word 
Caleb, is Survivor, and, and this is something that probably everyone talks about every year, but the evolution of the game of Survivor, if you look back at seasons one through five, for instance, and you watch that season and you watch, you know, season 40 or season 38 or 39, what what is different? And And there's so much to that, but like, maybe we could even just talk about what is what is the same about survivor at this point i think it is worth discussing because i was watching season three recently so survivor africa where ethan won and the contrast of the elements that ethan was put in in africa versus the elements that he appears to be in in fiji in season 40 seemed to be very 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 different Obviously, he is not living in the height of luxury in season 40. He's still dealing with some stuff. He's still sleeping on a beach. He's still dirty. He's still not getting the full nourishment that he would get in the real world. But it is a far cry from what they are dealing with in Africa, where in order to get water, remember this, they would have to lug these giant water pots some good distance. I think it was probably several miles or at least a mile to a watering hole that they shared with local game. They shared that thing with lions and elephants and giraffes, and then yeah. they fill it up with this muddy water. It's just stagnant water, just chilling there. They fill it up, and then they have to carry it back, and then they have to boil it for three to five minutes. And then one of the tribe's pots all broke. So then they didn't even have a pot that could hold water for any meaningful amount of time. You compare that to now, on a base level, a tribe will get a well. They have a well. I do believe they have to boil the water still, but they have a well readily available to them, and the water is not disgusting or super dirty or or anything. It looks pretty darn clear. The food comes into play. The rest comes into play. The fact that you're playing on a beach and not in a desert comes into play. In terms of the elements, it's a very, very different game. Clearly, the core part of the game, two tribes going head-to-head, eventually merging, voting players off until you reach a final two or final three is still the same. Jeff is still the same. He's actually way better at this now than he used to be. So it is still the same game, and I really, really enjoy it. But I do miss having some of those elemental impacts. Here's what I want to see in Season 41. Let's go back to Hardcore Survivor. Yeah. All these people would sign up for Survivor knowing full well or thinking full well that it's not going to be quite as bad as it used to be, and they show up. And he just throws them. He just throws them off of a ship. He just grabs each one and just chucks them <laughs> off the side of the ship. They think they're on their way to Fiji, and there's like nothing around. Right. It's just like a bunch of plastic containers that they have to fashion their own island out of. That's what I want to see. I, I, it's so <laughs> different in some ways because, like, imagine if in season forty-one they were like, "Okay, we're just gonna do Survivor Africa two. So we're gonna throw you out there for one of the immunity challenges. We're going to." bleed a cow and put the blood in a giant pitcher and make you guys all you know (laughs) chug the blood like i was so grossed out by that that would never (laughs) happen now all these players would be like whoa this isn't what i signed up for i signed up for a little bit of a weaker version of survivor so i say bring back the elements bring back the auction do it all go back to hardcore survivor i've got it i've got it i've got season 41 and okay, I know they're already underway, but they could probably still hear us and they could change everything. They could nix the whole thing that they had already filmed. Just throw so it in the trash. So the theme is pirates. It's season 41. Um, Yar mateys. That's episode one. That's a tagline for you. And they're on a boat, right? And it's just one of the old fashioned boats. They've been on like fishing boats at the start of seasons before. And so it's just, they just get one of those. And then uh, Jeff 
is like, all right, guys, you ready? And then and then he just jumps out, right? He just leaves the boat. <laughs> and it's just them on the boat. They're like, what? And there's no island. There's nowhere they need to go. It's just like one person at a time. And then Jeff will show up to do tribal council, and they'll make one person walk the plank. Survivor, Pacific Ocean. <laughs> they just, just sail around the ocean for 39 <laughs> days. <laughs> they can do like knot tying. Oh, this is this is gold, man. This is gold. I hope so. Cannon packing. Um, I know Jeff. Growing. I know Jeff listens to our podcast. I know he does. He's going to hear this. And he's going to be like, dang it. Well, there's your idea for season 42 then. Right. Um, and I, I want to take a stab at that question because of course, I, of course. I, I have the same I have the same feelings kind of that, that you do watching Survivor Africa. One of the things that I loved about Survivor Africa, actually one of the things I remember most is watching Ethan kind of interact with the uh, locals when he went on that charity mission. And, you know, he was playing hacky sack and kicking footballs and um, I'm sorry, soccer balls is America. What am I saying? You know, and he and, and they're they're doing kind of a relief mission and they're passing out you know, food and, and different items for the kids. And I love that side of Survivor. Survivor had like goodwill that they would try to establish with people in different areas. And we as viewers got to experience that too and became more aware of other cultures and how they live. And that was one of the things that I loved about Survivor. It's one of the things that I remember about every single season. You know, even Survivor China, when they started off going to that temple and and there were some awkward moments with that too, but but it was it was very enlightening and Survivor always t- tended to make an effort to establish a, a positive relationship with people around, which is part of, you know, surviving in the wild too. You know, that's a, that's an element uh, of survival that, that bears mentioning for sure. I, I feel like something is missing. I think being on the Island of Fiji every season, we were missing the element of adventure and the introduction of cultures and other people groups you know, even Samoa, Africa, China, I've already mentioned, we're missing harsh elements. You know, we're not getting the storms and the the different things that people in other cultures and other places have to deal with on a daily basis without shelter. And another thing we're missing, I feel like, is is and I, I don't I don't know and this is more of a question, but what happened to hunger? What what happened to people being hungry on this island? I don't I don't know what's going on, but when Jeff Probst mentioned the spices, right, and he unveiled the spices during the immunity challenge, nobody even moved, it seemed like. And and of course we don't have survivor auctions anymore, no tempting food platters during challenges, no big rice deals with Jeff and right. no fighting over the crispy rice. There's no fishing. Uh, to speak of you know people are catching crabs and nobody's complaining at all about food ever like i don't get it what's going on the last like two or three seasons and maybe even longer we're missing out on what i feel like are some classic survivor moments to deal with food i think that part of it is that they've turned it into more of a gimmicky show so because of that there's less time to show why the hunger was important so my example there is going back to survivor africa a large portion of the early part of the season was dealing with one player who decided to eat food that wasn't rationed. 
and how big of a deal that was. And that has always been somewhat of a running theme through Survivor, someone eating food that wasn't rationed to them and how and making that huge mistake because they're instantly on the outs. But then it went further than that because the game was so stripped down, they spent a huge amount of time talking about that, but also talking about inner tribe feuds and going over things where, you know, maybe a certain tribe member was lazy, another tribe member got upset because of that, so they decided that they weren't going to get water anymore, and you have this back and forth that you can track over the course of several episodes that now you don't really have the time for, because you have to go to the Island of the Idols, and you have to go talk to Boss and Rob and Sandra, and then you have to come back and lie about what you saw while you were there, and it just becomes this huge thing that kind of sucks up a lot of runtime of these, what, 40 to 45 minute episodes right after commercials there's just not that much time to show the impacts of the hunger so maybe it's still there but these last few seasons they've had so much going on we haven't had an opportunity to actually see the impacts and see what it's doing to the tribe on a very basic human level and i think i think as someone who is drawn to survivor by the survival aspect of it and and to be fair I feel like we should mention we're not dumping on Survivor. We love Survivor. Survivor's a great game. It's a great show. We wouldn't have a podcast talking about it if we didn't absolutely love it. I mean, think about it. How many shows, Ben, do you watch by appointment? Because for me, it's basically football and Survivor. That's it. Yeah, That's same. really the only thing I watch. Everything else is on streaming, on Netflix. You know, We're this super is basic. It. We're super yeah, basic. 100%. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, but, but to that said, one of the things that drew me to this was just seeing the psychological effects of being out on your own with a bunch of strangers, hungry, tired, you know, without sleep. And, and maybe that's a little bit, uh, it's masochistic. Is that the word where, you know, you, you're, you're, I don't enjoy watching people suffer, but I tend to be really empathetic with people. And I like to watch, the harsh conditions and how they might affect me how they might affect me and and you know if i ever came into a situation like that in real life i have some experience that i could draw on from watching the show i know that's probably one of the few one of the smallest reasons ever to watch survivor but the point is i'm i miss that part of it i i i wish that we could examine more cultures i wish that we could talk more about actually surviving and put people in situations culturally that they might not be comfortable in sure um let's talk about something that we referred to last episode which was i had a a lower and upper kind of tier of players right Mm -hmm. i kind of wanted to get your take on that do you have in your mind an upper and lower tier just kind of two different two different calibers of player that are in this season. I do, and I will say it's completely biased and slanted by, number one, who I like and don't like. That completely comes into play here. (laughs) And number two, the gameplay that I've seen so far. So surprise, surprise, Danny is not in my top ten. Okay, she is not in the upper tier for me. She may have been before the season. I really don't know. I didn't sit down and write this list before the season. But had I done that, maybe she would have been there. Who knows? After this episode, she is near the bottom because she spoke her own fate into existence by being so scared. But to answer your question, yes, I do have an upper and lower tier. Do you have one as well? I assume you do. I do. I do, and I can't wait to talk to you about it. And first off, I 100% agree on Danny. You know, one thing that that one of the environmental effects of this game 
is fear and they talk about paranoia all the time and danny mentioned during the this episode that there was a point where she realized nobody was coming and talking to her and she had some sort of self-talk session where she decided that she was just gonna panic and when she made that decision she turned from a player with a lot of potential to one of the worst performances we've seen recently from survivor where she was in a great position nobody was talking about voting her off and then all of a sudden she's target number one because she's completely spilling the beans yep she was in the controlling alliance and she was the fourth firmly in yeah and she was gonna be like if the other players could have voted off those four members in order she would have been the fourth voted off Absolutely. She would have been the least most targeted, right? Absolutely. And she was just so freaked out for apparently to me no reason. Now, the Twitter sphere and in Survivor Reddit has been saying that basically Danny is claiming that there's a lot more to the story that we weren't shown. I'm open to hearing that, but I think typically the show editors are pretty good at giving us a good narrative and explaining why things happen. So, as it currently stands, Danny made a huge mistake and is firmly in the lower tier. Absolutely agreed. So let me go through my my upper tier and okay. and I'll tell you too. I I don't feel like there's a, a whole lot of bias in this. I tried to base it on who came into the game with a plan and has stuck to that plan so okay. far. And so in the upper tier, I feel like Natalie um, is in that is in that tier. Boston Robert for sure. Sandra maybe. I have her kind of a foot in both camps sarah for sure tony vlachos yes sophie yule adam parvati and ethan and again the reason they're in the upper tier in my mind is because they came into survivor with a plan and one that they have both exhibited and confessed during the game so in the lower tiers these people did not have a plan if they had a plan they didn't stick to it and I will go through them in list form. Ben, Nick, Denise, Ben Drebergen, Jeremy, Kim, Amba, Wendell, Tyson, Ben Drebergen, Michelle, and Ben Drebergen. <laughs> so I thought you misspoke the second time you said it. And, I thought and, that was just an accident. I was like, oh, we'll edit that out later. But okay, yeah, I get what you're saying. We'll edit. We'll get. We'll catch that. <laughs> and she, edit. Oh, no, no, a, no. Yeah. Here's a question yeah, yeah. right off the top for you. Sorry to interrupt again, as I do. But is Ben Drebergen, based off of what we've seen so far this season, is he a better or worse player than Danny? I think he's a worse player than Danny. Really? I, oh, I, do. I think you're I doing do. Ben wrong. No, I no, think no. he's doing better than Danny. Danny Danny is in my lower tier because she didn't stick to her plan, but she came in with one. And granted, the sneaky, quiet game is not going to work this season. It's not going to work. No one is going to win $2 million by sneaking around in the background. It's, it's 100% going to be the person who plays their game and plays it the best and they have to be able to take credit for moves so ben had absolutely no plan he is going off half cocked with his information as soon as he learns information he just spills it out his mouth right he does no idea how to play survivor he has no idea how information works and 
he sits there, he tells Boston Rob in episode one about his name being brought up, right? And then now in this episode, he's like he's like spilling all this information that he's learned about the old school alliance when he could have absolutely been using that to manipulate people to uh, what I would have done, right? What I would have done with that information is I would have used it quietly to galvanize the younger school players, the new school players into, you know, a recognition that, hey, the old school players are all together. We have to get them out. And then we have, guess what? We have essentially two old school alliances, but one of them has significantly more people in it. And that's that's absolutely what you do with information in this game. And instead, he just waits until tribal council and then just causes mayhem. And here's right. the thing. He does not know that he's not going to get voted out. And I do not respect a person who puts his fate in into chance, you know? I don't I don't respect that at any point. You you need to know what you're doing and why. And Ben has no idea what he's doing in this game. If he makes it to the end, it's going to be as a complete and total goat. Which brings us to goat pick. Ben is Ben is my goat pick. Really? Um, yep. 100%. I mean, he 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 could be for sure. At this point it was going to be him or Danny in my opinion based off of episode 2. And I don't think Danny's making it back in the game, so no. I think Ben is a is a decent is a decent thing. The only way I think he gets voted out is going to be in the next couple episodes because he can't keep his mouth shut and becomes too much of a liability for everyone on that tribe. So if that happens, maybe he does get voted out. Otherwise, you very very well may be correct. I really don't know who who could yeah. be the goat. I hope there's not. I hope there's not a goat this season. I hope the final three is. You know. I hope they're all compelling. Ben, ben is Ben is a goat. Ben is a goat regardless whether he gets voted off or not. He is the perfect he is a person goat. to bring okay. with you. Yeah, if you possibly can. And here's here's something else. I think Boston Rob recognizes that at this point. I think he knows that Ben is not going to be able to have enough friends at the end of the game to win. And he's talked about voting Ben off because he's he's crazy but all Boston Rob needs to do at this point is connect the fact that Ben is completely crazy to okay Ben is the perfect person to bring with me right he's the perfect target and he's also easy for Rob to manipulate I I, I think that Rob's gonna keep him at a distance I don't think he's gonna be his ally but as far as Rob can bring Ben to the end it's just going to increase Rob's chances of, of winning this thing. In my lower tier, I have the following people. Okay. I, I actually have Natalie in my bottom tier. Now, again, this is heavily influenced by the outcomes of the game. And my note on, on Natalie and Amber is at the beginning of episode two, they basically read this riddle on the edge of extinction. And it was this long paragraph. And they didn't apply... The thing that we all do in escape rooms every time we go, which is read the first letter of each line. And they apparently are so dehydrated and food deprived that they don't have basic brain functionality anymore. Because my wife and I were sitting there on the bed watching this episode and they start reading it. And I'm like, okay, W-A-T. And to me, it's (laughs) right there before they even highlighted it, right? And I am not a particularly smart person. I am not like some some savant with riddles. Clearly, that was very obvious. And they went on this long, long hike before they just went to go check the water well, which was right there. And it didn't seem like they saw it retroactively. If they did, they didn't ever say that. So shame on Natalie. Shame on Amber. Shame on Danny for being such a 
silly person this whole episode and basically getting herself voted out. Shame on Denise. She's in my lower <laughs> tier just because she was going to give half of an idol to poverty. I love it. And then for the same reason, but she actually followed through on it, shame on Kim for giving half of her idol to, to Sophie, trying to use an advantage to garner favor rather than using an advantage to solidify an alliance, especially an advantage that requires both people to agree on what to do with it. So right. if you're not completely unified in how to use this thing, it's just trash. It's garbage. Right. Like, basically, now Kim could go to Sophie and be like, hey, will you use this half idol to protect me? And Sophie could say, oh, of course, yes, yes, and then go to yeah. Tribal and just say no. And there's nothing that Kim can do about it. So shame on Kim. The other people on my lower tier are Nick, uh, Wendell, Michelle, your boy Ben, and uh, oh yeah, and, and I think that's it. So by default, everyone else is in my upper tier. But- yeah. In defense, in defense of Natalie, she's playing hard, right? And she talked about at the beginning of the season, she's looking for her motivation. She's looking for, that's kind of, it's not much of a strategy, right? But she does have an idea that, look, when my sister got voted off in Blood versus Water, I found my strength and that's what propelled me into this game. So hopefully on the edge of extinction, Natalie's going to find something inside of herself that's going to push her to the end. And I think she's also a very smart player. I really do. I think she made a miscalculation at the beginning. and um, But on the edge of extinction so far, nobody's going to be a threat to to her um in terms of getting back into the onto the island with the rest of the survivors i think she's she's a shoe in at this point and i can't wait to see i can't wait to see that happen one one other thing i want to touch on with you sure is the fact that and and you said something about this earlier how is it that we're in episode two that boston robert has not even <sighs> felt uncomfortable yet i and dude, neither I, has poverty i was very excited to hear that Boston Rob called Poverty his number one because you and I discussed this last episode mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. said, oh, I think he's going to try to take her out or I think she's going to try to take him out. And so far, they seemingly seem to be very, very tight, which I was like, yes, you go. Okay. I was shocked with, again, how all these people who are smart survivor players fell right in line when the godfather Boston Rob snapped his fingers and said, do this. So they all voted for Danny, and Poverty receives one vote who was from Danny. We are in the all-star game of Survivor Seasons. Not you know, not all-stars, but you know, the all-star game. Everyone here is a champion, and they're right. all just doing whatever he wants. I think it comes back to what I was saying earlier, which is that Boston Rob, and I believe Poverty as well, but Boston Rob especially is such a good player that he takes players that are smart, know that he's a threat, know that they should vote him out and he for whatever reason is able to convince them to do something else at least two times that we've seen maybe mm-hmm. more i mm-hmm. at this point i want boston rob to win yeah i do too he's he's earned or that that area in my mind right now i'm open to other people convincing me of their case but right now boston rob and poverty with a close second are are leading in my mind sure they're making the most moves i just you know here's the thing right that sets Boston Robert uh, apart from every other player. He has all the information in this game right now. And in terms of his tribe, he knows Ben is going to give him anything he asks for. 
and and Boston Robert knows how to use information. He knows how to manipulate people. He knows how to use misdirection and social discussions and conversations. So on that, what do you think of his you know big tribal council stunt with having everyone dump their bags? Genius, genius, man! Oh. What a kingpin style move. Okay, exactly. Everyone. All right, let's all dump our bags and. <laughs> Poor Denise and Adam are like, oh, Adam's I like, think- I don't think we need to do that. I I, I think he tried to mind trick Boston Rob. Do you think Boston like, Rob you knows don't, he has an idol? You don't need to see. You don't need to see what's inside my bag. Right Why now. should the person who has the idol be exposed? I mean, I don't have the idol, but just but just so we're clear, I don't, <laughs> I don't have that person. I don't be exposed. I don't have it. I mean, I don't have it. Uh, if if Boston Rob doesn't know that Adam has the idol right now, I'm gonna lose a little bit of respect for him. That was so obviously what was going on. Uh, Rob should have seen through that. And as far as we know, he may have done exactly that. I I thought it was a really cool stunt. I hope that it doesn't create a bunch of unified disdain for him and the tribe. Like I hope that Adam and Denise don't feel super singled out and try to go rally the troops to vote him out next time. I think that's a possibility because Boston Rob's name is always going to be on the chopping block. Look, here's, here's my call, right? Here's my prediction. I think that the only two people in this game that are, that have the potential to vote off Boston Rob are Sandra and Parvati. And as long as both Sandra and Parvati feel comfortable with Rob, there's there's no reason for him to be afraid of getting vote off, voted off, and I I'm really excited to see what happens with those three players specifically when the merge happens. If if all three of them are still there, it's going to be fireworks, man, and it's going to be great. And I do hope that Boston Rob will quickly learn that Sandra was the one that instigated voting out Amber, and maybe we'll get some Battle of the Titans style showdowns and see oh, yeah. really who is the better player. Cause we've seen it in heroes versus villains, but Sandra was just so under the radar back then compared to where she is now that I think she will demand naturally in the game, much more respect and be almost as likely to be voted off compared to Rob. Oh, so definitely. great season so far. I'm looking forward to the rest of it. Every single Wednesday is like a mini holiday for me. Oh yeah. It's great. Oh yeah, absolutely. Next All season right. is going to be layman comparison. There's no doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind. But anyway, yeah, let's wrap it up. Um, so, yeah, everyone, you can follow us at Tribal Talk Pod on Twitter. You can email us at TribalTalkPod at gmail.com if you want to. Give us that wonderful five-star rating if you can. Give us a thumbs up if that's applicable to your podcast app of choice. Share this with a friend who also likes Survivor. But other than that, we will catch you next time.